0: Hey, hustlers, welcome back to episode number five on The Girl Hustle Project. Yeah, yeah, I'm living good, I'm living great, everything I do, I do in the first place, I said I'm living good, I'm living great, everything I do, I do in the first place, yeah. By the title of this podcast, I know that you already have an idea about what I'm going to be discussing today, but originally this episode was going to be a totally different topic, but as I was out doing some cardio this morning, I just asked the universe again, what do they need to hear? And what came to me was emotional eating. Especially right now, we are shut in and eating out of boredom, stress, anxiety, and I understand it. So I couldn't think of a better time to introduce this topic into the podcast. I want to start off saying, hi, my name is Christy and I'm an emotional eater. Even with all of my education and experience and skills when it comes to fitness, I am an emotional eater. I didn't realize I was an emotional eater until I was about 23. I was on my first bikini competition prep. I was on a strict meal plan, and there was a day where I received some awesome news. And for some reason, I found myself in the kitchen opening up the fridge looking for something to eat. And I stopped myself and I thought, what are you doing? You have no reason to be in the fridge. You're on a meal plan. Why are you looking for food? And I thought, wow, I'm happy and I'm looking for something to eat to celebrate with. I knew that this was a behavior I had, but I didn't realize I was eating based on emotion. It was just what I thought you did. And when I thought about this behavior, I tried to think back into my life where this behavior came from, and I realized it's just human behavior. Even when I was in college, when you get an A on a test, you celebrate with pizza and ice cream. And when you get an F on a test, You console yourself with pizza, ice cream, and alcohol. I had been an emotional eater my entire life. I just didn't recognize what I was doing until I actually had structure in what I was needing to eat. Once I actually stepped back and recognized myself doing this for what it actually was, I started to pay more attention to my behavior. I started to observe the fact if I had any stress happening in my life, I would open up the pantry and stare looking for some sort of food that was going to give me comfort. If I had sadness in my life, I would open up the freezer looking for comfort in the form of ice cream. If I had happiness, I would think about going out to eat and celebrating with my favorite fast food Taco Bell. But as a fitness coach... I realized something very, very important when it comes to all of this. If you don't recognize your emotions, if you don't have skills to cope with emotions, it wouldn't matter how amazing your diet plan was or the protocol was because once emotional triggers are shut off, Bye-bye diet, and temporarily all rational thoughts go out the window. And really, you don't come back to your senses until the entire box of cookies is gone, and then you think, wait, what just happened? Did I really just eat all of that? My goal today is solely to help you recognize if you are an emotional eater, and if you are sabotaging your goals because of your lack of awareness of what it is you're doing. I'm a huge believer that if you understand the signs of emotional eating, you can recognize the triggers, and then you will be able to start using other behaviors that aren't food to help you. I'm going to state this very boldly. Food, just like drugs, alcohol, and sex, will never fill a void. It will never heal a broken heart. Food is a temporary fix and can lead to a very vicious cycle and pattern of eating. Today, I'm going to speak from personal experience and share with you insight from what I've read and studied and have learned about emotional eating and the effects food have on us. As a woman who has hormones that do a loop-de-loop all month long, and simply because as a woman, I tend to be more emotional than men in certain ways, and you most likely are too. And I want to validate the fact that it's good to be emotional. It's human to be emotional. It's what separates us from machines. But what's not good about acting on our emotions is coping with them, good and bad emotions, with food. I am the first to admit that when I am stressed or anxious, I naturally gravitate toward the cookie jar looking for a fix to my problems. I'm the first to admit that. I am a sugar monster. I love sugar in all forms, especially in Nutella, and ice cream, and jams, and caramel, and marshmallows, and Skittles. Eating sugar makes me freaking happy. I love sugar, and then it makes me energetic, but then it makes me tired, and it makes me frustrated. Emotional eating is extremely common. It is so common. You are programmed to reach for things that cause chemical reactions in the brain to help bring your body and mind back in balance. Food just happens to be the most convenient source. Food is as powerful as drugs, and when used improperly, it can have severe effects. You may not consider yourself a food addict, but you may recognize that you do have eating habits involving your emotions, and these may have caused excess weight gain or self-sabotage. What you may not realize yet is that your body may be causing you the constant fatigue and depression and joint pain and migraines when it comes to coping with daily emotions. Once you understand the whys, what's, when's, it's a lot easier to recognize and reach for healthier alternatives to coping with daily emotions. Because guess what, life is emotional. It's very emotional. It's filled with setbacks, it's filled with successes. We have all reached for food to consult and comfort ourselves. And if it's on occasion, that's okay, that's human. And sometimes we need that release. But to turn food into a daily escape from everyday stresses and other emotions, that's not okay. Food can become just as addictive as drugs. And it's important to recognize the physical and psychological impulses we have to reach for chocolate or a bag of chips. And if you aren't sure if you're an emotional eater or not, I hope by the end of this episode, you'll have a better understanding if you are, and you'll walk away with more insight and skills to help you stop emotionally eating, or at least be on the road to getting better at coping with different methods. Emotional eating is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Actually, every episode I put out here, I know I'm going to say it's my favorite topic, but emotional eating... I think it's the most fascinating and one of the most relatable topics that all men and women struggle with. I really decided to learn more about this topic when I realized how much of my emotional eating was out of control. And this was when I was going through my divorce. There was heartache, stress, anxiety, anger. I felt every emotion you can think of. And I was also eating everything. Even though I was supposed to be this fit chick, I was finding myself at two in the morning on the floor inside the fridge eating everything, or I was in my car consuming packages of Oreos in secret. When I was going through my divorce, it was during the holidays, so I ate all of the chocolate in the Halloween candy bags, and honestly, I didn't even recognize the person that I was. I was out of control. And I didn't understand why. And because I was out of control, I was rapidly gaining weight. And not only was I not recognizing the person in my behavior, but I was starting to not recognize the person in the mirror. And that made me just snap. I had hit rock bottom one night and I was like, okay. I need to figure out why I can't control my eating. What is causing this? And so I started researching and I was so blown away by what I learned that I was like, wow, okay, I get it now. Now I know how to fix this. And I just want to say, after you go through a divorce and everything that you experience within going through a divorce, and then to realize that 50% of the population get divorced, I knew I wasn't the only one going through this. I have food knowledge and training experience, and I couldn't even imagine what I would have done if I didn't have the education I had to get myself back on track. I decided that as a women's transformation coach, I had to understand this. I had to understand so I could not only empathize with my clients, but actually be able to help other women who regardless of their situation, if they were emotionally eating, I could help them recognize what was going on so we could stop the self-sabotage and get them on track and back on target to their goals. The more I researched and read, the more I understood exactly why I was reaching for ice cream or for chocolate or for chips. And seriously, when I said it blew my mind, it blew my mind. So let's just say I'm really excited to dive in here today. To start, understand emotional eating is the act of eating based on feelings versus to fuel your body or quench your hunger. So let me ask you this. When you are happy, do you look for food to celebrate with? When you are sad, do you reach for a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Or when you are stressed at work, do you look forward to making a bowl of pasta or devouring leftover cake when you get home? There are many emotions that can trigger eating behavior. And today we will be talking about emotionally eating for a comfort, pain relief, which can be physical or mental, stress, anxiety, and energy when you're feeling fatigued or lacking motivation because yes, that's an emotion as well. I'm first going to discuss each emotion and what it entails and why we reach for specific foods, and then I'm going to talk about optional routes to take to cope with emotions that aren't food-related. But then, after we discuss all of this, I'm then going to go into, are you emotionally eating or is your body actually craving something because it's lacking nutrients? So We are going to cover all that today, and I just can't say enough how excited I am to teach you guys this today. So Let's start with comfort. Eating for comfort can be to alleviate the feelings of depression or loneliness or sadness. Typically, when you are eating for comfort, you are looking for things that are higher in sugar, like ice cream. Sugar is a very, very fascinating food. Now, remember, I'm a sugar monster. I was addicted to sugar. So when I learned more about sugar, it really just showed me and validated why I was reaching for sugar. So sugar has such a strong and addictive effect on the brain. And sugar, surprisingly, not so surprisingly, actually has what's called an anesthetic effect, meaning that when you eat sugar, it can physically dull your pain, temporarily at least, With sugar, it causes an abnormal high, and remember, what goes up must come down. So after you get your sugar rush and the pain is starting to come back, you may start to have a headache and even more fatigue, and the emotions you were feeling pre-sugar are most likely even being heightened. So what do we typically do? We reach for more sugar reaching for food for comfort is something I commonly did during my divorce. I was in a foreign state, I had no friends or family there, and I felt really alone. So when I tell you I sat in my car and I ate Oreos, I ate Oreos. I would buy almost every flavor and just eat. And after the high of that would wear off, I would feel even more depressed. But in a few hours, all I would think about again is eating more Oreos. It was a really weird cycle that I was going through. So what can you do to help cope with depression and sadness or loneliness without reaching for sugar? Some of you may not like this answer, but the answer is exercise. So, I encourage you when you are feeling sad or down, get your running shoes on, grab your headphones, and go for a walk. And even better, if you're on a walk and you can call a friend that you can talk to, this is going to help you with those feelings of depression and sadness or loneliness way more than sugar ever will. Because remember, going for sugar, yes, will cause that unnatural high. But remember, it's going to lead to an unnatural low, making you feel even worse, kind of like alcohol in being hungover. So let's switch gears and let's talk about eating for pain relief. When do we eat for pain relief? Well, as women, we have this fun time of the month called PMS where we're crampy and we're just feeling overall blah. And as women, we all have our different things we crave, but the majority of the time, we tend to think a lot about chocolate. So why is that? Well, we know that chocolate has sugar in it, which dulls pain, but dairy and sugar, this can be in the form of ice cream as well, releases endorphins, which is natural painkillers the brain will release. Isn't that just fascinating? So when we're in pain, our bodies crave exactly what it thinks it needs to feel better. So, instead of going for chocolate that's really high in sugar, you can reach for chocolate that has 94%. So, it's like really dark chocolate, but a lot less sugar in it. Take Advil, use a heated rice pack, just avoid sugary foods because sugar is an inflammatory food, which is the opposite of what your body needs when it's trying to heal. At least with PMS, we know it's coming. And this is why during this time of the month, I do say, Give yourself some grace but i have better tips to feeling better that isn't sugar sugar is the worst thing you can eat when you're on your cycle Because, like I said, sugar is an inflammatory food. Yes, it'll temporarily relieve your pain, but it will also leave you feeling worse. My advice to you is to do your best to avoid sugar as much as possible during this time. And I know it's hard, but trust me, you will do so much better avoiding Ben and Jerry's. And if you really do feel like you need chocolate, I would recommend a pint of chocolate Halo Top ice cream or something that is a little more calorie friendly with less sugar. That's the main thing we want to avoid. So let's now talk about eating for stress and anxiety. This is something I still personally have moments with. Being an adult is just stressful. And when you're feeling overstimulated with work or stress, we tend to reach for some good old-fashioned cooking, like mac and cheese or potatoes and deep-fried chicken or a bowl of pasta. And if you think about it, having a tummy full of warm and heavy food, you know that warm, soothing feeling you feel after a home-cooked meal? These types of food produce serotonin, and serotonin is the body's natural production of calm and content, like a food form of anti-anxiety. Totally makes sense, right? So, my advice when you're feeling stressed and anxious, I would just completely avoid caffeinated drinks. And before bed, drink a hot beverage. But the main thing that you need to do when it comes to stress and anxiety is really learning how to meditate and to self talk to get you through stressful times. There are many, many meditation apps that can help. Just remember that food is not going to fix the stress in your life, it will only add to it. What does it mean to emotionally eat for energy? Well, when you're feeling fatigued or ran down from a long, exhausting day, you get home, you open up the pantry, and what do you typically go for? A snack pack of cookies, a handful of cereal, a bag of chips... These are starchy, sugary, crunchy foods. And these types of foods provide dopamine, which will quickly release energy. Dopamine is a natural high feeling of being excited caused by expecting pleasure. You may even experience your hands shaking with anticipation as you open up a box of cookies. This is because the brain knows that once you take the first bite, you're going to have a quick fix of energy again. But remember what goes up must come down. So if you get home and you're exhausted, what I would actually recommend is that you pack a snack in the car that you can eat on your way home. But when you do get home, Make a bowl of oatmeal with fresh fruit or grab an apple with almond butter. Quick sugary foods will be followed by a quick crash, leaving you feel even more tired and more cranky, which will keep you going back for that next fix, which means that you may be emotionally eating all night long. Okay, now that I've covered the main emotions and what you can do, I want to talk about how to stop emotionally eating before it even starts. So the first thing I want to talk about is avoiding your trigger foods. When I'm upset, I completely avoid trigger foods. Trigger foods, like sugar for me especially, will have a landslide effect, especially when I'm emotional. I know when I'm emotional, I will not stop at one cookie, so I won't even start. This is a very effective trick that works every time for me. Sometimes you'll even see me on YouTube where I say not even once. When I do this, this means that I have probably have had a stressful day and I know I really need to avoid my triggers like Oreos or anything that is cinnamon and sugar. So I encourage you, if you know your trigger foods, stay away from them. Don't buy them, not even one bite. Abstinence people, abstinence. Um, The second thing I wanna talk about is recognize emotional reaching. So this means if I go to the fridge and I open it once and walk away and then come back and open it again, I stop and think, okay, why am I looking for food? Once I recognize what emotion has prompted me to open up the fridge, I know that I'm not actually hungry and food isn't what I need. The third thing is don't fill up on junk. So if you are a stress snacker like me, try to keep stocked in your fridge, low calorie go-to foods. I naturally like to snack when I'm anxious or stressed, so I will have a veggie tray on hand or air-popped popcorn if I'm anticipating a stressful day. The next thing is make sure that you energize yourself. I will drink a lightly caffeinated beverage like black coffee or green tea, and when I have energy, it helps me keep my focus away from sugary desires when I'm feeling emotional. I especially love Lipton's Diet Berry. I think it's like mixed berry green tea. That is also a really really great thing that I will sip on instead of snack on and that really helps. The fifth thing is remember it's not worth it. This is the most powerful tip I can offer you. I remind myself constantly that I will feel far worse after binging on sugar and treats than those foods will ever make me feel in the moment. So I just try to always keep in mind and ask myself, will this be worth it? And I have to be honest, sometimes it is worth it. Yes, on occasion, sometimes it is worth it, but most times it's not. Now, I believe as a coach and educator, it's also really important to realize that your body may be craving certain foods, not even out of emotion, but out of lack of micronutrients. Intense cravings for specific foods are actually a sign that our bodies are lacking certain nutrients. So I want to just cover really quickly what your cravings could actually mean aside from emotion. If you're craving chocolate, it could be a magnesium deficit especially during PMS. So what does magnesium do? Magnesium regulates nerve and muscle functions. So if you want chocolate, find an option that's mostly cocoa. It will have less sugar. Like I mentioned earlier, the 94% dark chocolate. Other magnesium rich foods include nuts, avocado, spinach, pumpkin seeds, and brown rice. If you're craving salty snacks like chips or pretzels, pickles, you're most likely lacking sodium, which regulates fluid in the body. If you are craving salty snacks, just put a little extra salt on your eggs or salt your chicken. Celery is also a healthy source of sodium, so if you want that crunch, I would definitely opt for celery. Okay, so if you're craving fried foods, your body is looking for healthy fats. And fats regulate hormones and gives you long-lasting energy. Unsaturated fats are always best Saturated fats are also good for us, so if you're craving some KFC, turn to healthier fat sources instead, like coconut oil, avocado, nuts, seeds, and almond butter, which is my favorite. Now, have you ever just craved Sour Patch Kids? I know that's a weird thing to crave sour, but if you're craving sour foods, it may mean that your body is looking for acidic foods, because acidic foods help regulate the acidity in your stomach to aid in digestion. So instead of reaching for sugary sour patch kids, even though I absolutely love them, you can add lime or lemon to your water, or my favorite, you can take a strong shot of apple cider vinegar. That will definitely clip that craving right at the bottom. Okay, is anyone else hungry? I'm just kidding. I know we covered a lot today, so I encourage you to go back and re-listen to this podcast as many, many times as you need to. I just feel emotional eating is such an important topic to discuss. The number one reason people self-sabotage their fitness goals is because of emotional eating. I know personally that without understanding my emotions and cravings, I would still be blindly eating everything my body told me to. But when you understand what your body actually needs and is telling you, you'll be able to stop with the sabotage and move closer towards your goals. Another huge part in this is making sure you are getting a proper balance of carbs, fat, and protein in your diet. Typically, when this is out of proportion, your emotions and cravings will be too. This week, I want you to really observe your own behavior. Find your triggers, plan out your response reaction, Every time you reach for food that's not so healthy, ask yourself, are you actually hungry? Are you emotionally reaching? Could this be a craving and you need to find an alternative? Or are you just bored? So if you're actually hungry, make a meal. Don't snack. If you are bored, drink water, check back in an hour. By then, you're probably actually hungry. If you are emotional, take any of the steps that we discussed today. If you are having cravings, figure out what it is and why it could be. Overall, you deserve to feel your very best. Your body is designed to feel good, and I always encourage you to fuel it with the best it deserves. Please remember, food shouldn't always be for entertainment, so eat for your goals. Food will not solve your troubles. Now that you know what's what, it's time to take responsibility and stop self-sabotaging. This has been episode number 5 on the Girl Hustle Project, where I hope you will walk away a little taller, talking louder, and hustling harder. Until next time, hustlers. Boy, I'm living great. I do, I do, in the first place. So am living, living great. Everything I, do, I do in the first place. Yeah.